Well, everybody strapped in. I know. Well, uh, so glad that you are able to join us this morning. Um, we are uh, <clears throat> going to get started on this message here, and uh, hope you've been praying for me. Uh, this uh, um, this message, uh, it, come, it comes right out of our year's theme. The theme for the year is the year of God's overflow. And uh, when Pastor Steve announced that just recently, it stirred up a lot of thoughts for me, a lot of uh, interest for me. Um, and uh, it made me think, when I, when I think of overflow, I think of uh, generosity. And, and I, I, I started rem remembering that in the last couple years during the pandemic, uh, as, as many horrible things as I've seen, as much sadness, as much despair, I, I have uh, also seen uh, generosity of heart probably more highlighted than I've ever seen before. Has anyone else noticed generous hearts uh, during the pandemic? Um, I, I, and not, I'm not saying people haven't been generous before the pandemic, but I've just, maybe I'm just noticing it more than I used to. So, uh, let, let me just read a few stories I came across. These are real-life stories of people uh, being generous in the pandemic. Uh, my mother just called me. She had ordered some flowers from a small local store to be delivered and dropped on the porch. When they brought the flowers, they said, hang on, we have something for you. The driver went back to the truck and proceeded to bring out a bag of hot meals and then multiple bags of groceries. My mother was speechless and asked why. And they said, when you called, you mentioned you had promised your daughter not to go out. So we were worried you had no food, and so we brought some. My parents have plenty of food. Uh, I've set up weekly deliveries for them. But this small business wanted to make sure. And they refused, absolutely refused payment for it. I was struck by that. And there's this story. Greg Daly was keeping up with his regular paper route in central New Jersey when an elderly customer stopped him. She'd been having some trouble getting to the bottom of her driveway each morning for the paper, and if he could, would Greg please mind pulling up to her garage and throwing it a bit closer to her house? He obliged, of course. And if this customer was having uh, trouble getting to the sidewalk for her paper, Greg realized, how was she getting her essentials under quarantine conditions? The next day, Greg included a note in each newspaper on his route. My name is Greg Daly, and I deliver your newspaper every morning. I would like to offer my services, free of charge, to anyone who needs groceries. Since Greg has carefully placed groceries and the morning paper on the doorsteps of, of over 100 elderly citizens on his route. Pretty remarkable. Here's another one. Uh, yesterday, my neighbor left me some homemade soup to pick up from outside while I am recovering from a mild case of COVID. When I got there, I found uh, not only a big container of piping hot soup, but two huge bags of groceries. I almost burst into tears. She barely knows me. One more story. <clears throat> On his way home from work, my son-in-law stopped at BJ's for coronavirus essentials, waited for a cart, and fought his way through the many, many desperate shoppers, only to find a line wrapped around the store. After purchasing his items, as he was going to his car, a woman asked him if the store still had water. As usual, Ken being the social butterfly that he is, 
got to talking to her and came to find out that she had just come from visiting her son who has cancer at Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania. He did not want her to have to wait all that time just for water. So he gave her all the water in his cart, water he just waited in line forever for. He also gave her his number and told her that if she needed anything else, just to call her and he would pick it up and deliver it to her so she wouldn't have uh, to do it herself. Pretty, pretty amazing stories, generosity, wouldn't you agree? Um, so this idea of generosity has, has really been sticking with me as I've been thinking about the theme for the year, uh, overflow. And, you know, uh, I, I think the reason it's stuck with me um, so much is because uh, I, I realize I want to be a generous person. I don't know if that stirs up anyone else. You want to be a generous person? Um, and, you know, you guys are some of the most generous people I've ever met. I don't think I knew really fully what generosity was until I, I uh, met you guys and started coming here. Uh, but, but generosity uh, is something I want to aspire to. And so um, I, I was thinking, like, well, God, what, what is the source of generosity? What, what would lead someone, like in these stories, to, you know, just give someone all their water they just spent a long time in line for? Someone who wanted to bring groceries to elderly people on their, uh, he, he wasn't a grocery delivery person. He was, he was just a regular uh, guy delivering papers. So what, what moves someone um, to, to want to do that? Um, and I, I think the key here, uh, well, let me, before I tell you what I think the key is, um, this, we got this guy working again here. Um, yeah. All right, maybe not. All right, well, we don't need this. Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Jesus had this statement. He said, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, from his inmost being shall flow rivers of living water. And if you remember, a few weeks ago, Pastor Steve shared with us the picture from Ezekiel chapter 47. If you remember in that picture, there was uh, water that started from the temple of God, and it began to flow out, and everywhere it went, it brought life. The trees and the plants that grew up along the side of the river, they, the, their leaves were for the healing of the nations, their, uh, their fruits were feeding people, um, and, and everywhere the water brought, the water went, uh, it, it, it refreshed the environment. And there was so much fresh water, in fact, in this vision that it transformed the Dead Sea. And as you all know, the Dead Sea is so salty that nothing can live in it. But in Ezekiel's vision, there was so much fresh water, it actually transformed the Dead Sea into a, a living sea. And, and Jesus here is saying that we can be part of that flow. You and I can actually walk in such a way, we can live in such a way that this transforming fresh water straight from the throne of God can flow through us and touch people. Uh, our lives, the fruit of our lives, can be for the healing of the nations. Uh, God can repair people and situations and institutions through us. We, we can walk in this flow. This is a possibility. This is real. Um, and, and, and so this inspires me. Like I, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of this overflow that you have from your throne of this fresh healing water. Is, is anyone else stirred up with maybe a hunger for that? A few of you are. Okay, that's good. That's good. A few. All right. I'll take a few of you. Um, well, what is the key to this? What, what is the key? 
I, I think, I'll just tell you the point of my whole sermon right away. You're, you're supposed to wait till the end, but I'm going to tell you right away what it is. I think the key to living out this generous heart, living out this, this life this, where the, the life of God flows through us, is the generous heart of God. I, I think that if you and I would get a hold of or catch or really understand just how generous the heart of God is, then I think, I, I don't want to, I hesitate to say easy, but I think we would discover that that, that refreshing water from God would flow through us uh, much more, again, I'm trying to say something besides easy, but <laughs> fluidly, it would flow through us fluidly. I, I don't know what else to say, but I, I think if we would really capture the heart of God and really understand it, we would experience that transformation, and the people around us would also experience the transformation of his overflow. Um, in the, the last few years, if you spend any time with us during our Thursday prayer times, um, you'll hear me quote uh, this verse over and over and over again. And this is probably the verse I quote most often when I'm praying for things, and it's James 1, verse 5. And James writes here, if any of you lacks wisdom, uh, let him ask God who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to him. He, James here is describing a God who's so generous that he actually will give without finding fault. Now, I don't know about you, but if one of my kids or anybody wants something from me for that matter— I will sometimes sort of test them a little bit. My, you know, okay, well, do they really deserve this? Are they, have they earned this? Have they, what are they going to do with this when I give this to them? Okay, anyone else? You know, you don't want to just give everything to everybody all the time, right? <clears throat> but it says here, this truth says that God wants to give generously, and he wants to do it without finding fault. And I have to pray this, so I have to quote this so often when I'm praying, because I don't know about you, but many of my faults rise up into my consciousness very quickly when I'm talking to God. I don't know if anyone else feels like that. And so I need to remind myself pretty often that this is a God who has said, he said it with his word, he's promised this, he has said that he gives generously without finding fault. It's a, it's a radical, crazy way to look at God. And, and so my whole devotional life in recent years has, has changed quite a bit. Uh, in recent years, I would say that the primary thing I'm doing in my devotional time with God, uh, there's many, many things we could be doing, studying scripture, interceding for people, all that's good. But I've realized the main thing I need to accomplish when I am with God alone is I need to refresh my vision of just how generous God is. And I don't know about you, but I have discovered I need to do this every single day. Every single day, my vision of how generous God is gets a little cloudy. I, I wake up, and my vision of how generous God is is a little cloudier than when I went to sleep. And if I was ignoring his generosity the day before, then it's really cloudy. <laughs> and so, so my task in my devotional time is just to catch a glimpse somehow of the generous heart of God. And 
So for just, if you would indulge me for just a minute, we're going to walk through uh, sort of uh, the, some of the history of Scripture here and, and, and take a look at just how generous God actually is. So, so consider, for example, um, and, and, and before I get into that, let me just, let me just say, the, the best prayers, the best, best prayer warriors in Scripture figured this out. Um, uh, Moses, in Numbers 14, he, he was, the, the Israelites were in deep trouble. And through their own fault. And so he prayed, uh, God, you are gracious, you are merciful, you are slow to anger. And then he said, you are abounding in loving kindness. That's a picture of God's exploding with loving kindness. Okay, so much loving kindness, it can't be contained. And then Moses said, according to the greatness of your loving kindness, have mercy on these people. And, and David figured out how to pray that too. You know, it's most famously written in Psalm 51, where he really messed up and he said, he prayed, uh, God, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my sins. And in Psalm 69, he says, God, according to the greatness of your loving kindness, answer me with your saving faithfulness. And, and, and so what if we started praying that way? What if we learned the secrets Moses and David learned how to pray? What if we prayed, God, according to the greatness of your loving kindness, instead of a, oh, I don't know, God, if you can really do this. I mean, I know you're really busy, and I know I've been really good, but what if we learned instead to pray, God, according to the greatness of your loving kindness? So consider with me, God's generosity in creating. Uh, now, it might strike you as odd, but God was very generous when he created. Uh, I'm just going to read from Genesis 1, verses 28 through 30. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you. And then God doesn't stop being generous to the humans. He says, and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food. How many times is God, in this one couple verses here, does God say, Every. It's like everybody gets everything. It's this, this picture of this sort of volcanic explosion of generosity. And then God continues that generosity to the natural world. Uh, in Psalm 145, it says, You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Or Psalm 104, verse 28. They wait for you. You give to them. They gather it up. You open your hand. They are satisfied with good. Well, let's narrow it down a little bit to just consider God's generosity to Israel. This is what God said to them right before they were to enter the promised land in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 through 10. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food 
without scarcity. That was God's vision for the Israelites. He, he wanted them to live in this land that was so abundant, fruit was just dropping off all the time. Well, um, uh, and, and then there's just story after story of, of the generosity of God towards the people of Israel. We'd be here all day. In fact, I was, I, was, I was contemplating, well, which parts of Scripture should I include? And I kept thinking, I was like, there's almost, you almost can't find uh, a, a single chapter in the Bible that doesn't express the generosity of God. I don't know if anyone's noticed that before, but you, you move just a little bit this way or that way in Scripture, and you're going to bump into God's generosity. Uh, I, I was thinking about that story about the prophet Elisha, and he's trying to help out this widow who uh, has all these debts to pay, and he says, bring me some oil. And she just has this tiny little bit of oil, and uh, he says, get all the vessels you have, and she gets the vessels that she has, and he starts pouring the oil, and God multiplies the oil, and of course, oil was a very precious commodity in those days. So uh, the widow was able to use this oil that was miraculously multiplied to pay off her debts. And, uh, and there was so much oil, um, and, and uh, Elisha, at one point at the end, he, he cries out, bring me another vessel, because <laughs> there's so much oil. And, and the widow had to say, uh, uh, we're done. We don't have any, I have no more vessels. This is it. There, that that's expresses the generous heart of God, that he's actually telling us, Bring out another vessel, uh, because there's so much he wants to pour out. Um, well, and, and speaking of provision, let's just, let's just think through a little bit God's heart of, uh, for providing. Uh, there's this famous line in Job. He gives food in abundance. Or Psalm 36, they drink their fill of the abundance of your house. You give them to drink of the river of your delights. Or uh, Psalm 78. Verse 25 says, man did eat the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. Or Psalm 37, verse 19, in the days of famine, they will have abundance. Or Psalm 66, verse 12, you brought us into a place of, I bet you can guess the word, abundance. You brought us into a place of abundance. Um, or Jeremiah 31, verse 14, I will fill the souls of the priests with abundance. My people will be satisfied with my goodness. Or Psalm 84, 11, no good thing do you withhold uh, from those who walk uprightly. Or Psalm 39, verse 19, how great is the goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you. So much abundance, just exploding with abundance. Uh, here, here's something, you know, that, that, that first passage I read from James uh, God gives generously without finding faults. Like I said, I need to remind myself of this daily. Did you know Scripture describes a God who forgives abundantly? God forgives abundantly. Um, so there's this uh, um, passage in Isaiah 55, verse 7. It says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. That means God doesn't just pardon, he doesn't pardon just enough so we can get by, so the thing that we're feeling guilty about is wiped away. God abundantly pardons. He pardons more than he needs to pardon, okay? Uh, this, this, I love how this verse comes out of uh, this, this picture just a few verses earlier. Uh, Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 2, it says this about God. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, 
by wine and milk without money, without cost. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in, guess what? Abundance. Delight yourself in abundance. And then there's all these other psalms and verses and scriptures about how he give, forgives in abundance. Psalm 103, verse 12 says, He removes our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Uh, in in uh, Micah, chapter 7, verse 8, he says, Who is a God like you? You pardon iniquity and you pass over the rebellious acts of the remnant of your possession. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Imagine that. It means they're gone. The sea, the, 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 if they're cast in the depths of the sea, the sins are gone. Um, or what about what he says in Psalm 130, verses 3 through 7? Starts at verse 3. O Lord, if you should mark iniquities, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. And then in verse 7 it says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for the Lord with the Lord is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption. He will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And, and, and I could just go through scripture after scripture that describes the abundant generosity of God's heart. Uh, Psalm 72, verse 7, Jeremiah 33, 6 says that he gives peace in abundance. 2 Corinthians 1, 5 says that God gives comfort in abundance. There's this thing after thing after thing that describes God, the generous heart of God. Well, <clears throat> let's do what Scripture does. As scripture uh, brings uh, our focus eventually to this one person. And let's, let's join Scripture and focus on this one person and, and really discover the true heart of the generosity of God. And that, that's the generous heart of God in the person of Jesus. Now just think with me for a moment. All the ways, all the examples of Jesus' generosity. Think about the feeding of the 5,000. Think about the feeding of the 4,000. Think about turning water into wine. At one point, someone comes up to the main waiter and says, every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. That makes Logical sense. You give the poorer stuff at the end when people don't notice it's not really good. But, the waiter says this, but you have kept the good wine until now. That's how generous God is. After he's overwhelmed us and lavished us with his goodness, then he brings the good stuff, the really good stuff. That's the generous heart of God through Jesus. You see, there's this uh, um, famous scripture that Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, there's his, there's his wealth again, there's his generous again, generosity again, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Here's the whole reason why God did it. Verse 7, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in the, his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You see, God expressed himself all through history, all through the Bible as this overwhelmingly generous God. 
but he's saving the best for the last, and he wants to funnel all that generosity through the person of Jesus Christ. He wants to, it's with Jesus, it's under Jesus, it's through Jesus, it's by way of Jesus, by means of Jesus, that God wants to express to our hearts the full depth and height and breadth of his generous heart. <clears throat> and, and, it, and it makes sense that he would do this. Consider what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He did not spare, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? The logic of Paul's writing here is that there's nothing higher and bigger and better that God can give you and me than Jesus Christ. God gave us the very best when he gave us Jesus Christ. It, scripture says that hidden in Christ are all the riches of goodness and wisdom. Everything we would never, it says Jesus is our all in all. Everything we need is in Jesus Christ. God could give you a mountain of gold. God could give you an ocean full of happiness, and those things would pale in comparison to what he wants to give you by giving you Jesus Christ. And in comparison to giving you Jesus, everything else is small. It's easy for God to give you anything else in comparison to the ultimate thing he's given you and me, which is Jesus Christ. Think of how, G how God, through Jesus, has matched uh, your need, your desperate need, with who he fully is. When you are in darkness, he says, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Or, or think about when your soul is famished and desperately thirsty. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. But what about when you and I are lost and wandering, as we often are, whether it's deliberately running away from God, whether it's just accidentally being distracted from God, whatever the cause is, when we're lost, we don't know the way back to God, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But what about when we're just exhausted, exhausted in our soul and in our body, can't even tell you how many times I've heard those of you in the congregation talk about how just deeply exhausted you are at the depth of your soul. And Jesus says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All the riches of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ, and God can't give us anything higher or better than he gives us when he gives us Jesus Christ. Because in giving us Jesus, God is giving us himself. So I think this is the secret for walking in the overflow. This is the secret for being that kind of generous person who can keep giving even when it's a sacrifice to you, even when it's painful or hard for you. This is the secret for persevering in prayer, persevering in loving other people, persevering in loving the people you find unlovely. This is the secret for, for witnessing, viewing God's 
overflow. And then this is the secret for becoming a witness yourself of God's overflow. This is the secret for participating in God's overflow. This picture from Ezekiel 47 of the living waters that rush from the throne of God and they, they, they delight the world and repair the world and heal the world. And if we want to be a part of that, this is the secret, is to fix our eyes on the generosity of God's heart in the person of Jesus. This is, this is how we can live out what Jesus said in John 7. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, from his inmost being shall flow rivers of living water. So if we could have the worship team coming up. <clears throat> the invitation is to come to Jesus this morning. The invitation is to come to Jesus, believe in him, look to him and find him far surpassing, far outshining everything else. Look to him and look to his generous heart this morning. Let's Let's celebrate the generous heart of God this morning. Please join us in uh, worship. Just tries to roll over my bones. Chums to steal the joy I brokenness and pain is all I know. I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. I can't stand the chance when I'm standing your love.
doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm Good morning. Uh, I don't know about you, but in singing the lyrics of that song, uh, you know, hearing about Pastor Jim's experience in Mexico, and I, I ran into him this morning, and I was just thinking, like, wow, that it's an amazing story, and it's an amazing testament to me of, uh, and I think it reinforces that chorus, like, if I'm standing in your love, my fear doesn't stand a chance. And I just think about Pastor Jim's deliverance and that, that experience that is almost mind-boggling of how that situation worked out. From having COVID in Mexico to being in a hospital in Mexico. And it was, um, I, asked, I asked Jim, you know, how did, how did you feel? And he said, oh, it's just so peaceful. And got to take a walk with Pastor Ben and I just felt so at peace. And, and I, I just about got knocked over. And to me, that's standing in God's love. There is nothing else to explain how at peace he felt there. We have a God that makes all things new. Uh, I was thinking about this song when we were singing it um, after Steve was talking about being pruned um, and with this with this theme for this year and just uh, thinking about how God wants to trim us and 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 take off um, the things that are bogging us down he wants us to be new creations and uh, I'm teaching a class right now to a bunch of art teachers and they, one of the questions for this week was what what is a problem that you face and there were two different teachers that said, I inherited these classrooms with all of this stuff. And I, I look at these boxes of old scissors from the 1950s and I don't want to throw them away. And I, and I said, to quote one of my kids' favorite movies, let it go. Just let it go. And, uh, and I think about uh, sometimes we have to be okay with those difficult feelings of, I don't know what's going to happen if if this thing that I've had for so long gets pruned away. What if I feel like I've lost an appendage? What if I don't feel like myself? And we just have to trust that God is at work. And that pruning is going to lead to the way that God wants to shape us.
the kills with the ring and roll you have found me you have found me and it feels like coming home for the first time in a long time feels like coming home coming home for the first time in a long time feels like coming home it feels like coming home for the first time in a long time feels like coming home and it feels like coming home Coming home. Let all the pride and rules come home. Let all the pride and rules come home. Let all the pride and rules come home. You're calling. Let all the pride and rules come home. Let all the pride and rules come home. Let all the pride and rules come home. thank you, God, for calling us home. I thank you for the invitation. I thank you that you have found a way to work with our restless hearts and trim off our things, God, and that you can see constantly an ever-evolving new creation that you want out of us. I pray for a gentle spirit and your Holy Spirit to intercede and make us accepting of the pruning that you want out of us and a vision for who we want to be. I pray for a spirit of gentleness and patience as I struggle with wanting that to be instantaneous. And I don't have patience for, for your process, God. I pray for a spirit of acceptance and faith. I can hear you calling. Come back home. 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 Come back home. I can hear you calling, come back
I can't sing that song about the prodigal son enough. Um, I just, I can see, um, as I've said before, I can see us all as uh, that prodigal son coming back and God standing on the porch and going, who is that? And then uh, just starting to run, right? And I think God running towards me with a ring and a robe just makes me want to run back and run to the Father. So please join us in worship. I know I need 
we are so grateful for the grace you've given us. We are so grateful you've opened your heart and your arms wide to receive us. Grant us the grace to rush into your arms and stay there. I pray now that as we leave here to go make disciples of all nations, to spread, to radiate the life and joy of God as a house of prayer for all nations, I pray you would Go with the love of God the Father. You'd go with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You would go with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Go in the name of God. And uh, be sure to talk to Adrian, Lunai Famous Services. Uh, we got some people who haven't been here for a while. Welcome them back. Give them hugs. Uh, make sure you welcome our new members. Um, praise God. Go in the blessing and kindness of God. Oh, and young adults. One o'clock, Harriet, Lake Harriet Island Bandshell. How'd it go, Dadeva? Give thanks to the Lord, our God, and King. His loving knows.